welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Hey, thank you for tuning into Staffing Stories. It's Andy Moss, your host, and I was introduced to this next uh, um, individual, and I just had to have her on my podcast. So I'd like to welcome Amelia Nickerson with First Step Staffing, and you do something a little different. You do alternative staffing, and I, I just—I mean, I, when I heard your story and I, and your mission, I was like, we got—we had to sit and talk. Sounds good. Yes. So alternative staffing, um, for those that don't know, it is a staffing business model. So looks, feels, smells just like your general light industrial staffing. You know, our P&L looks very similar to any other staffing company, but it's got a mission component attached to it. So we're primarily seeking out to employ men and women who are experiencing or at high risk of homelessness, veterans, and those that have been impacted by the criminal justice system. So we go specifically to those populations as a way to help them reconnect to the labor market, get that first job, get some earned income so they can start moving out of homelessness and poverty. And then we do as a nonprofit, we are a 501c3. We're able to offer some additional support services. So things like transportation to and from the job site, housing assistance, mental health support, child care referrals, and then a whole program around upskilling so folks can move into higher wage jobs. So um, staffing company, but just with a mission attached to it. Well, we I, and our mission, I guess, in the staffing industry is we want to find homes for people and jobs. I yep. mean, that that is ultimately what we do a good thing we wake up every morning it's like we can put people to work but mm-hmm. you have, you know when you're homeless that job is kind of the anchor to getting out of that situation yeah and, and that's the piece of this that it goes a step further that's love and i'm sure there's a lot to unpack with that but when we talk about amelia how did you get here and then we'll dive into the business Yeah. Well, I will say my path is very windy. Um, I had no intentions of working in staffing or running a alternative staffing organization. Um, I come from the nonprofit side of things. So I spent my career in nonprofit management and fundraising, Uh, started my career at the Atlanta Symphony here in Atlanta. And I tell people, I think the only thing in common with my current job is tax status, Um, but (laughs) learned a lot. Um, And then ultimately got connected with First Step um, back in 2015. They were an organization that was just based in Atlanta at the time, but were doing some pretty innovative things in the nonprofit sector and got to know the founder of the organization, a gentleman named Greg Block. Um, So worked with him for a few years, um, helped run the development office as a 501c3, raising some of the money that we do for those supportive services. And then ultimately, uh, Greg asked me to take over as CEO in March of 2020. Being CEO, particularly at the beginning of a global pandemic, was not on my radar either, Andy. So it was a good time trial by fire, but had really gotten a a passion for the work happening at First Step. Like I said, it was, you know, literally, I mean, to your point, it changes lives every time you're able to offer somebody a job. 
and then was an organization that was really looking to grow nationally, which in all honesty, a lot of nonprofits don't have the capacity to do that or the foresight to do it. And First Step was really looking to become a national solution. So it was a really fun time to get involved. And then kind of like I said, deep dive into the business as everybody was struggling with kind of what to do in the middle of a pandemic. But no, had no intentions of being in staffing. But now I sort of love it. Well, and, and you're not a small staffing outfit, seven different cities. Yeah. So right? currently we operate in seven states. Um, we have 10 separate offices. Okay. So we're still headquartered here in Atlanta, but we've been slowly growing over time and now have offices from Atlanta all the way out to Los Angeles, California. So operating in a lot of different states, a lot of different legal hurdles, a lot of different political climates. I, I'm sure it's a lot. So it's like, congratulations, you're going to be CEO and we're dealing with the pandemic. So walk me through your first week of that. I mean, that has got to be, um, you want to get excited, but you're also like, what did I sign up for? There was a lot of that. I mean, I think to your point, it's kind of understanding the different climates that we work in. Yep. Um, at that point in time, it was literally, you know, daily calls with each of our offices from Atlanta to Pennsylvania to California and figuring out who was shutting down what, when mm -hmm. and what fell into that. Um, like many kind of in our space, we stayed open. We were an essential business, staffing essential businesses, particularly working with the homeless population. It's, okay. it's very hard to do that virtually. So it was about trying to keep everybody kind of safe and healthy and navigate ever-changing rules in the various markets. And usually you could see things happening in Pennsylvania that eventually trickled to Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, California was the outlier doing things totally different some of the time. Oh. Yep. But kind of understanding what our role in the ecosystem was, we okay. even saw our nonprofit partners like the local shelters shutting down um, and not letting people come in, in and out as they were trying to navigate COVID. So we're trying to figure out how we could still assist people with that critical income stream. But, you know, our pipeline of people was changing, too. Yep. So there was a lot to learn and understanding things like PPP loans, which nobody had ever heard of and trying to navigate those and what it meant for the organization. And then like keep our internal staff motivated and safe when they were still having to come to an office every day. So how many recruiters do you have? I mean, just as a sense of uh, I'm sure that fluctuates like all of our businesses do, but. Yeah, I mean, in total, our internal staff is about 80 individuals, and that includes our kind of payroll department and some of the other leaderships and general managers. Um, we do have a sales team, just like any other staffing company. What sets us a little bit apart is we do have an, an entirely separate department that is supportive services. So their entire reason for being is to help people not just get that initial job, but to keep the job. Okay. So they're doing things like the transportation and the housing assistance um, and really trying to deep dive with folks to break down those barriers to employment so that they can be successful. So we have an, an entire newly formed department, which actually we started in 2020 because we saw such a growing need to help support people through those issues. And, you know, uh, being homeless, you, you take things for granted of internet connection, yeah. you know, banking. Um, I mean, they're worried about like where they sleep tonight and where they're eating the next day, but you know, where the paycheck is deposited and, and managing that payroll. I, I can, I can see where those supportive services is almost a must. Mm -hmm. it, 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 they go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, and too, I mean, our, our founder started first up with a very basic concept was, you know, he met with leaders in Atlanta at the time, and there was a lot of focus on homelessness. And unfortunately, we're still seeing those numbers go up in a lot of cities. So more cities are even focused on solutions. But 
the way our system is set up right now, homeless services focus on housing. That's their primary reason for being. But how do you ever make housing sustainable for somebody without an income? How do you ever focus on that? And unfortunately, there's just a, not a lot of effort around employment when you look at homelessness. Okay. So really found a way that we could kind of get linked up with the good work that was already happening, but take it a step further. So we could also help prevent people from falling back into homelessness once their housing stipends ran down. So there's a lot to navigate. Um, I'm sure you see success where people get that job and they stay. And I'm sure there's some individuals we deal with humans, you know, the human nature comes out where yeah. you give them a great job and they just don't show up the next day. Is, is that a problem or do you see, you know, more success than failure there? I think, I mean, like anybody in this space, you know, it's both. And we see some of the best success stories you can imagine. I mean, I, I would tell you the reason I kind of stuck with this because it is a hard industry to be in both yeah. working with homeless individuals and everybody probably listening to this podcast knows yeah. the, the ins and outs of light industrial staffing and everything that comes with it. But when you have somebody who comes into the office, like a grown man who is in tears because he just got his first job ever. Yeah. He had never been offered a position at a legitimate paying job. And then to see that success build on, and now he's not just got a job, but he's got a stable place to sleep. And oh, by the way, now that he's stable and getting his life on track, he's able to re reconnect with children he hasn't seen in 20 years. So there's so much feel good that comes out of the job that it's way beyond the income. I mean, we started interviewing folks a couple of years ago just to ask them what having a job at first step meant to them. Not a single person that we interviewed said income or a paycheck. Yep. It was all about that sense of purpose, purpose, a chance to control my own life, pride. I mean, it was the intangibles that really set it apart. But then, too, I mean, like to your point, human nature, I had a, a friend of mine who works in staffing when I decided to take this job. And he said, congratulations, you're going to work with the most unreliable resource on the yeah. planet, human beings. Yep. So there's it that is. too. And I think where we try and jump in, we can offer an opportunity. We call it a hand up instead of a handout. But ultimately, it's the individual's, you know, chance to take the next step. We can't show up to work for them. We just try and reduce as many barriers as possible so they yeah. can at least have the opportunity. Well, I think, you know, we're still dealing with humans that have been dealt a different card. They're not below us or, I mean, they're, they're yeah. brothers and sisters. They just have gone through and there are mental challenges with some of them. And then there's yeah. just like, they just went through a tough time and going through COVID and going through this, what we just did for the last two is probably accelerated a lot of great individuals in a bad situation. Unfortunately. And, yes. That is I, very, very true. And so I, I, you know, total respect to you for doing what you're doing. And, you know, is there anything like you see, you know, right now that we're dealing with in our country that um, that you're concerned about or like, hey, we, we got to get our hands around this um, or what other agencies that are listening to this can do to help your type organization do you partner with or um, where can we kind of help with this? Yeah, I mean, I think partnerships are key for us, right? Because we're always trying to find that balance of having jobs, enough jobs and enough people to fill those positions. But I think the biggest thing that I try and tell other individuals is, I mean, everybody probably, again, on this call knows these stats because they look like at them like I do. But when you look at labor market participation, 
we are sidelining way too many people in the U.S. from the labor market for hear. things that really are within our control. So whether it's, you know, criminal background checks and being more open to that second chance hiring or understanding credit checks and how that might impact somebody's ability to get a job. But I think if we really want our businesses and our communities to be successful right now, we've got to get all those people off the bench and get them back into the labor market. And then I think staffing plays a very, very important role in doing that because we can take on that perceived risk of hiring somebody mm -hmm. that maybe another for-profit or small business that is going to think that it might affect them negatively is not able or not willing to do. Staffing can play that role and can take on those individuals and give them an opportunity and give them that foot in the door so they can prove themselves yeah. by doing the work that a business needs um, with less risk to the business that they would perceive to be there. So I think staffing is very, very well suited to this work, whether you're, you're a for-profit or a nonprofit staffing agency, because you understand the individual and the business needs. Yes. And I, and I think we're all dealing with this talent shortage. And I know my business is more on the technical side. We don't do the light industrial piece, uh, but I hear from our clients and it's just, it's, they're, they're beating their head against the wall with finding just talent in general. Um, but I, you know, I love, you know, the, the name first step because you are the first step in a lot of um, a lot of these individuals lives. So, uh, again, a blessing to you and your staff for doing what you're doing. And if you had to give some um, encouragement to other owners out there or other operators um, in this climate, what is there anything you would kind of give words of wisdom? I mean, one, I would say, I think, again, like staffing is very well suited to the challenges that we see in the labor market. It's a huge year of opportunity, and I, I don't see that dwindling any, no. even as we're all kind of looking at potential recessions and softening of the labor market and whatever we want to call it these days. But I mean, I think staffing has proven again and again, it's, it's a place that businesses turn to when things are going great, but also when things look a little bit scary on the economic horizon. So say, your job as a as an owner is to encourage your internal staff when things on the outside look a little bit scary um, and they're struggling to find people or to meet those needs. And probably the other piece of advice I, I would give is the one thing I found as we go into all these other states is there is an ecosystem of support services and nonprofit organizations that are working with some of these individuals to do the things that maybe for-profit staffing is not equipped to do. Okay. So they can provide case management. They can provide the housing resources. If you can step in and be the jobs piece of that okay. pie for somebody trying to get their life back on track. So reach out to those nonprofits, reach out to the shelters and the goodwills and the other industry um, nonprofits that are out there because they're doing a lot of that work already for you yep. to make sure you've got a work ready individual coming through your door. Well, that is great information. And what we'll do when we make this post, we'll actually put the, your contact information. If if any of these owners or agencies want to encourage you or offer some help or pick your brain, I, I, I would love it. Andy, I love partnerships. I operate our entire business off a partnership model because I don't think any organization can be all things to all people. And it no. takes everybody kind of working together to get the job done. So we, I would love to talk to people about partnership. Okay. Well, Amelia, it's been great to talk to you. And I'm so glad you were uh, willingness to work with us. I, I know last week we were scheduled to do this and I had COVID and I, we were stuck at our home and uh, internet connection was bad, but you, you worked with us and you showed back up today. So again, I appreciate it. 
Well, thanks for having us on. I always like getting to tell the story because like, especially in this industry, there's so many great staffing companies out there, particularly privately owned ones, I think, where yep. we can really step in and make a difference yep. um, and get to control the destiny of, of what's happening in the labor market today. So well, let's I like see. getting to share the story. Well, uh, all my listeners out there, let's step up and just try to uh, help out and do better. And especially coming into the holiday season, it's not just about the holiday season, it's about every season. We, yep. can, we, can, we can do better to help. So again, thank you for being on and um, we'll post a link and stuff like that. So thank you. Sounds great. Thanks, Andy. Right. Okay. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3DIQ.com stories to learn more.